Aloha, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Hermana. Um, I am here, this is Charity, and I am here with Sarah Bergenmaski. Did I get it right this time? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah Bergenmaski, co-founder of Sahar, which is the Strategic Advocacy for Human Rights, um, a nonprofit that's doing amazing, amazing work. Um, welcome, Sarah. Hi. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming. So what, um, tell us about your organization and, and the work that you're doing. Yes, so my name is Sarah. Um, originally, I'm from Italy. I moved to California about a year ago. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my stories that is going to explain how and why I'm working now on Sahar. Uh, last year, I was still working with the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees on the Syrian refugee crisis. I was based in Turkey and I was working as a reporting officer over there. Uh, it was a very intense, powerful experience um, that led me to understand that uh, a big bureaucracy such, the, such as the United Nations is not really meant to bring about the transformational change that uh, I've been seeking in the world. And uh, I also understood that um, my creativity has been has not really been active during the time I was with the UN because uh, the goal of a bureaucracy is to make you work according to certain rules so mm. for, by definition the creativity is not really enhanced or not really promoted mm. and so I put together all these elements and I thought to myself what is something, Sara, that in your experience, in my previous humanitarian experience, is really been so inspiring and something that you really wanted to work on? And that's been uh, the non-profit that I've been part of uh, since uh, eight years now. And uh, Sahar was born uh, about 10 years ago mm -hmm. in a university campus of uh, SOAS, which is a university in London. It was uh, founded by Natasha Latif. Uh, one of my co-founder and Nishma Jetwa. Natasha is originally from uh, Singapore and uh, Nishma is uh, British Indian. They started uh, Sahar with the goal of defending uh, the world's most vulnerable women and girls. And Natasha started to go to Afghanistan 10 years ago to assist uh, in the legal defense processes inside local courts and how women were defended and why women were put in prison. And she discovered uh, how much the judicial systems in Afghanistan were biased against women and the sentences were, were taken on the basis of uh, discriminatory legal practices or stereotypes against women rather than uh, um, on decisions based on law. Um, mm. And for example, in Afghanistan, women who have been raped are put in prison with the charge of adultery. So the charge is completely changed based on what happened to the women. So the women are traumatized by the uh, gender violence that they experience and they are re-traumatized by the judicial process. And that's absolutely unacceptable. So Natasha, 10 years ago, um, she, she understood um, that this is absolutely unacceptable, what was going on. She went back to SOAS, to London, and she started to work mm -hmm. by remote with the local lawyers to help them craft uh, more innovative and stronger legal defense arguments to get those women out of prison. And yeah. that's how everything started. Wow. So how did you get connected with your co-founders, with uh, Natasha and um, Nishma? Yes. So around eight years ago, when mm -hmm. I finished my uh, graduate studies in Paris, I got my master's in international relations from Paris, mm -hmm. from uh, Sciences Po. Mm -hmm. 
the university was called Sciences Po, and uh, I was looking for internships to yeah. get me started on uh, what I thought, you know, my humanitarian career, which, you know, that's what they tell you, even humanitarian career, I think it's an oxymoron mm. in itself, because, like, how can you have a career in something that's mm. humanitarian, right? Like, right. so all of this started to get to me over the years. But anyways, you know, I was, um, I was looking and I, I found an internship with them. And mm. uh, it was like this feminist grassroots mm. group working, you know, to craft innovative legal arguments. First of all, I thought it's something super concrete because many other organizations, they had, you know, vague mm. uh, idea of mm-hmm. uh, whatever they want to do with their missions. Mm. And so, and I was very interested in Islamic mm. law and how you can uh, uh, use a gender equitable interpretation of Islamic law to help women, so to work within the Islamic framework mm. and make it more gender equitable. Yeah. Whereas in many Western organizations, the tendency is to discard the mm. Islamic law altogether. But we want to work within the cultural mm. and the Islamic framework, just make it more gender progressive and gender equitable. Mm. And so that's how it started and uh, since eight years ago. So I started as an outreach officer. Um, I brought the Sahar everywhere where I was going. I was advocating for our work in my free time, in my summer, yeah. in the nights. And so this has been really for all of us, uh, volunteers and neighbors for the past 10 years. But now, you know, 10 years ago we were 20 years old. Mm-hmm. Now we are 30 years old. And so it's about time to make it sustainable. So last year, mm-hmm. when I found myself caught in the middle of a big bureaucracy, the biggest humanitarian crisis in the world, the Syrian crisis since Second World War, and uh, seeing how the system wasn't really um, helping very much in the way I thought it should work. Mm. Um, I thought to myself, okay, then I want to work on something that I really believe in. In I want to work on an endeavor that is promoting moral leadership. That's mm. what we consider moral leadership with other women, mm. which is non-competitive, which is uh, mm-hmm. intersectional. And which is like mm-hmm. really uh, working side by side mm-hmm. with local groups and not uh, in uh, parachuting yourself as like many Western organizations do and say, okay, this is the way we're going to bring the change. It's always, you know, like, what do you need? How mm-hmm. we're going to do it together? So it's almost like we are helpers. Mm-hmm. And so that was Sahar for me. And so I came to California because I know here um, there is some kind of mm-hmm. magic that I can't even explain, but like, Someone told me before I moved to San Francisco, it's like, if you are able to mm-hmm. imagine strongly enough uh, the change, then you can actually create it. Mm. If you're able to right. imagine and to see, you're going to make it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, wow, so I should check out this place because I really like mm-hmm. the idea. And so about um, six months ago, I came and I started to work on uh, the fundraising side, outreach, and we're mm-hmm. looking for partnership with, uh, you know, businesswomen, entrepreneurs, but also artists, mm-hmm. anyone who wants to contribute to the cause, because uh, what we're fighting for uh, fundamentally is patriarchy, because what happens mm-hmm. in Afghanistan with the women and the reason why women are put in prison with charges of adultery because they're being raped is the same reason why women here are oppressed or why women mm-hmm. really do not uh, uh, reach you know very high level in businesses in bankings in mm-hmm. uh, there is maybe two percent of women there uh, really have high positions in the us it's the same reason which is uh like an historical dominance of women right and so we want to fight against that mm-hmm. and uh, we also like to 
you know, build a bridge mm. between, you know, all the efforts that are here yeah. uh, fighting for uh, women's justice and equality and in Afghanistan. Mm. And, you know, we are, we really admire the Me Too movement. Uh, we are really, we really mm. like it. We want to plug into the existing efforts, uh, but we also like to see the hashtag becoming something more concrete. Mm. And we have, you know, many ideas how to implement it through yeah. our programs in India and Afghanistan and the Middle East. So wait, one thing I want to circle back on, mm-hmm. Sahar, the acronym means Strategic Advocacy for Human Rights. What is the meaning in Arabic again? Okay, um, the root of Sahar, which is a Sin, Ha, and Ra, or S-H-R, mm-hmm. in Arabic, Farsi, mm-hmm. and Urdu, all means anything which is enti- and um, magic mm-hmm. and enticing. So I'm fascinating. So yes. anything that has to do with magic. So mm. we didn't know this, but like when we when we chose the name and we wrote out the acronym and we we're like, oh my god, this is means magic. And so we like to think of our work as the fairies that bring justice of women I around love the world. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the fairies that bring justice. Yes. Um, it's amazing. And I met Sarah. Let's see. We met actually online through magic, the online magic, right? Um, and connected in person here in San Francisco, just amazingly. Um, yeah. And so I guess I I'm so fascinated. Um, continue to be fascinated by your work and just like our conversations that we have each time we we meet. It feels like there's new there's new wisdom and new um, experiences for for you to share. I think one thing that comes up and that I'm interested um, to learn more about, and you're talking about, you know, uh, dismantling this idea of women competition in leadership. And for our listeners or people that are listening who maybe um, are in situations where they're faced with, with competitiveness or, 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 you know, um, those feelings of uh, sort of low low level energies of um you know needing scarcity really i think it's a, this feeling of scarcity right um what advice what advice would you give to those women um to those people who are listening right now yes and that's such a very important point and in, in fact that's exactly the reason why I'm still sticking to Sahar after so many years because people ask me how are you girls especially the three co-founders why mm. are you still sticking to each other it that's exactly the reason because we worked in so many different environments where we had the emotional abuse psychological abuse uh, from mm. our bosses and many of them were women and we really were so upset and sad to see that mm. someone above you that you think it's a role model you want to learn from uh, then plays mind games with you or like tricks Mm. and uh, so we understood that uh, they were also you know caught uh, in like probably traumatic experience from their past Mm -hmm. and uh, we thought to ourselves okay the most important thing if we're gonna build Sahara in the right way our Mm. mission is good Mm. but it's never gonna succeed if we're also not gonna learn how to behave to each other with respect obviously but much more as in like uh, we are in the same team always right. you know we can have a misunderstanding but we don't step over each other yeah. and uh, no one of us either had a feeling that someone wanted to be better than the other so mm-hmm. whatever you know you can call it competition because we basically really understood that when women compete 
with one another is because we basically want to compete with men's attention. Mm. If you really go back to the root of all of this, when women, when people say women are competitive by nature, mm. that's so far from the truth. There is nothing like mm. women are competitive by nature. Is that if that happens, and in many works environment it happens, it's because probably unconsciously we're all competing for some kind of attention because our society is so structured mm. that we're seeking for men's attention because they are higher up, they're up there, and we mm. want to get there. But that's, that means that the whole structure doesn't work. Right. Right? So right. it's about thinking, like, why I f- do I feel competitive right now? Mm. Like, it's always going back to ask, uh, what is exactly the reason why right now there is this competition game? It's not by nature. It's, it's not th- something intrinsically in women. Mm. It's like something constructed by the society. So it's, right. kind of, it's about observing from mm. the outside, observing behavior and try to transform that. Right. And it could be different. I mean, depending, not necessarily male attention, but it could be... But whatever everyone needs to like really look inside, yes. like you're saying, and, and see where that the stem of that is coming from. I think that's so important. Um, that you know, just mindfulness. Yes. Um, uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you, so you mentioned like there's all these plans of like, you know, um, incorporating Sahar's work in like different areas and arenas. Um, how and you know, as you know, this is a sort of this podcast, Urmana is a, a intersection of creativity and entrepreneurship and how women can um you know women artists and entrepreneurs can really live fulfilling and, and and full lives right um so yeah i would love to hear about like where where your plans are what you see um uh sahar going in in these creative endeavors yes yeah is a uh it's a great question because first of all this reminds me of the very same reason why me and you met because you have the gathering of wands that this is this beautiful um, creative writing program for collective healing and mm-hmm. that's, that's we think that that's exactly what uh, the women with the fan need after mm-hmm. they exit the court and that's you know that we're getting to the next point of our work which we think that justice is not only about having a sentence made inside the court justice is about how women feel so if women feels that justice has not been made according to them then justice is not been made even if a judge ruled a certain sentence so since we understood this we started to um organize a storytelling impact storytelling workshop mm. in the countries where we work in and we give basically this uh, f- safe space for women to to come and tell their stories and mm. to be heard because just for them to have that space uh, it's really transformational because they do not have the space certainly not within their family certainly not in the society and so it's a kind of collective healing mm. and uh, we really love the idea to introduce creative writing also because yeah. storytelling is great but the next step is really writing it down yeah. and it's uh, it, it has an even higher potential for healing mm. and the next thing that we're really exciting about would be to introduce animation because mm. um, i'm not sure how many of you are familiar with humanitarian work especially in the defense of the human and women's rights the most difficult thing is the documentation of it because uh, it's not really easy to go inside government's prison or inside women's family and take videos, have a, you know interviews, or like even a podcast as we're doing here in a safe space of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. It's very, um, they're very unsafe and dangerous context and they're confident, the confidentiality of these women, their privacy is very important because they could have uh, 
bad consequences for speaking to us or being on videos. And so for, for the past 10 years, it really one of the most difficult things it's been to document our work. And so we thought, uh, yeah, animation is Amazing. the answer. Yeah. Because, you know, we can create a four-minute video on uh, one of one stories of one of the women and it's really exemplary because their stories unfortunately are very similar at least the dynamic you know and there is a lot of hurt a lot of pain from the separation from the family and you know there is a lot of hurt when your father dishonors you because like as many women one of the most painful relationship that they have is with their dad because something happens to them either maybe they're raped or you know something else or maybe they decide not to follow all the rules maybe they decide that they want to study maybe they, they want to work or they don't want to marry the man that their father chose mm. from them so they actually want to have ownership for their lives and when they take the decision then the father looks at them and say okay you know what you're not my daughter anymore so imagine inside mm. your head you have mm. this dilemma it's like I actually want to follow like I have mm. one life I want to live my life according to what I feel I want to do and then the moment I choose that then my father dishonors me mm-hmm. imagine what a big pain is that mm-hmm. and so one of our first stories would be exactly about um, a woman that chose uh, you know chooses her life over whatever her family chose for her and the consequences and uh, you know her um, effort to try and uh, ask for forgiveness or ask to be reintegrated mm-hmm. back in the family and we're wow. gonna you know like write a little story with a metaphor you know an yeah. animation story so we're actually looking for funding for that also because that'll be really powerful and totally. it would help tell us our work in a more so i want to i'm gonna take a little step back and and ask about you sarah so what is your like you're an artist what kind of art what kind of art is your is your preferred medium how do you express yourself creatively yes my preferred means of art and expression, I think, and I feel it's dance and dancing. Mm, um, that's right, yeah. I've been dancing for about 15 years. I mean, obviously not professionally anymore, but I did ballet, I did contemporary dance. Five years ago, I started uh, what I consider one of the most powerful dances, which is samba, Brazil. And uh, I also really love ballet dancing, you know, wow, because yes. I spent six years in the Middle East, so I've been you know, ballet dancing yeah. all the way through the night sometimes <laughs> to forget about, you know, all the, all the crises that, mm. that there are in the Middle East. And one thing that we really learned at Sahar also throughout all the, you know, sometimes hopelessness and, you know, different tragedies and case of, cases of tortures that we see of rape, of uh, so many other gender violence uh, cases that we see, one, one important thing is to never forget joy. Mm. so to yes. always find joy back because yeah. that's what makes you go and that's what gives you energy mm-hmm. you know to keep doing the work they're doing so mm-hmm. you know natasha um my co-founder she's amazing she loves to travel and ishma too and me too actually mm-hmm. we all are travelers mm-hmm. which doesn't mean like uh, you know taking off for a vacation once in a while being travelers really just means putting yourself out there and say you know what i'm curious wow. i don't have a plan and you know i travel to see and to discover right so that kind of like traveling and um, unfortunately uh, one thing that we're a bit sad is that the three of us we never really met together the the three of us because every time we had a little bit of funding instead of spending for a flight we you know we'd use it to continue doing our work yeah so we met bilaterally me and natasha me and nishma nishma and natasha but the three of us so that's why also we and Mm -hmm. you know like we and we are doing all of this uh, through 
three continents, wow. actually two, Asia and the US now. But I'm, I mean, I'm seeing, I mean, San Francisco, Natasha is in Singapore, Afghanistan, and Nishma is in Mumbai, in India. And, uh, you know, like we have these meetings through the night, you know, 15 hours difference. Mm-hmm. So we make it work through the distance. So sometimes we wonder, like, what happens if one day we are all together one week? Wow. You know, so that's yeah. really our dream, you know, even like when we're going to find the funding. And I think it's important to do capacity building for yes. leaderships. And um, so hopefully we're going to find a way also to get all together and like plans and the next steps, maybe totally. new programs. Maybe South America, that's where we would really love to bring Sahar because there is a lot of work to do oh, there as well. Yes. You know, Just Salvador, got, Nicaragua, mm-hmm. Mexico, with everything that is going on with the gender violence, mm-hmm. with abortion laws. Uh, I mean, if, you know, in El Salvador, uh, women are put in prison when, you know, if they abort. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, so it's actually, it's a common theme around the world that women are put in prison for um, choosing to express their bodies or choosing not to have a baby. Mm-hmm. And like, we really got to wonder, it's 2018, it's enough, right. it's enough, time is up. Right. It's happening all over, all over. So one thing um, I wanted to go back on, uh, that you mentioned about the like dance and the, the creativity part right so like how so a lot of these women right if even if you're not working in the field or you're not like working necessarily in a nonprofit or like a capacity where you're actually helping others a lot of times if you're an entrepreneur like you are putting everything into your business that is your baby like that is the thing that you're putting you know 110 percent of your time into and like I can see it because when you talk about, even when I ask you questions about yourself, you go back to the organization, it's so much a part of you and so much a part of your life and your passion and your vitality. And and how do you, aside from, you know, dance and like creative expression, how do you balance and how do you find time for yourself? What do you do? What are practices that you do outside of just, um, you know, <laughs> fundraising and meeting, like uh, meetings after meetings? Like what, what do you do for yourself? I like to paint and to draw. Mm. Uh, I actually rediscovered this, uh, I think, last year here in California. Mm. Uh, I used to love it when I was younger, but uh, when do we ever have time right. for self-expression, right? right? So I'm really learning that radical self-expression is uh, mm. a means, uh, just by doing that is a means to change society because you put your creative energy out there. Yeah. And like, uh, even if you think you don't have control of it, uh, you have to let go. Mm. That, that energy of creativity has to flow yes. and has to have it fl- its flaw. Mm. Like, I also think that's why I really like uh, to put myself in artistic endeavors and creative because it's all about letting go. Mm. You create, you express yourself, and whatever you create, uh, it's going to do their course, it's going to do their flaw, it's going to have its effect. Right. And it's about, uh, you know, surrendering to it uh, and not wanting to control the process. Yeah. And which is pretty much the opposite of any kind of like company or businesses that we work in society <laughs> because we're very focus oriented mm. or like even in, in, in the day-to-day operations of a non-profit obviously right. you know we have to do the admin and the finance I mean all of this belongs to that but what what I think really is going to create uh, uh, you know the success I think also for Sara is uh, those connections that are creating out there in this mm. like magic world where people want to really change the world the magic of women justice the magic of entrepreneur artists business women coming together and say enough is enough for everyone and mm. uh, let's create a world that is fairer for women through art mm. and through dance and through expression. music yeah and expression really is connecting right like you're saying you're connecting yes. in your community there's that community around it community exactly um 
And so, and then going back um, to another thing that you mentioned about just the intentions and sort of the goals and the, and the looking forward into, you know, maybe moving Sahar to uh, Central America. What are some other long, big visions? And like you said, everything that you say, everything that you vision has the capacity, has the, the power to, to become. So if you could like just put that in the microphone and it happens, <laughs> like what would, you, what, would yes. you, what would you put out there yeah. right now? For- if we think... Of Sahar, me and the co-founders, we actually did this exercise a few weeks ago in 50 years, 100 years. Mm. Uh, we would see this as a, uh, as a feminist collective, as a feminist movement worldwide. Mm. And it really cuts, cuts through color and classes. Mm. And we really, you know, emphasized this. I mean, it, it's, it sounds like something that it's, uh, uh, it's taken for granted, but it's really not. Because if you look in the nonprofit world, um, unfortunately, a lot is uh, driven by um, certain um, classes and certain people and Mm. uh, there is not much differentiations in colors and that's why I really think uh, uh, we uh, we as a co-founders we we have a way of interacting that it's very actually interesting like it just that is transformational because mm. sometimes we uh, we make joke about each other. We make joke about uh, uh, um, you know my being uh, very Italian sometimes or Nishma being uh, British Indian. So she has these two different natures, and uh, Natasha going a lot to Afghanistan and she married this amazing high Schwab <laughs> German Afghan uh, husband that uh, mm. we love him very much. So you know we talk through how is it to have. Uh, uh, multicultural, multi-religious mm. friendship and love relationships, and how do you uh, deal with that? And you do that always with joy and respect, uh, but always with addressing the issues because sometimes the issues come up, uh, mm. and instead of going around them, then you you know you face them. You say, right. okay, you know maybe you know I went too far, mm. and uh, and it's 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 beautiful, and um, I think it's a beautiful way to represent. Mm. So what we really believe, we believe in a world where movements and non-profit and hopefully a new United Nation will be mm. representative of everyone. Mm. Because today the humanitarian world is for sure not representative or inclusive in, yeah. of minorities, or inclusive mm. of uh, all the people that needs to be at the table of negotiations mm. and leadership, and it's really not. So maybe, you know, we didn't even know what we were starting, but you know like besides being a non-profit organization working on women's access to justice maybe we want to create this kind of moral leadership that is inclusive and it's joyful and it's playful and it's mm-hmm. not competitive among women from uh, all over the classes because like you know we we will never judge anyone that has more financial independence or wealth and we're happy for them we just tell them okay let's come to the table and let's share but without guilting anyone into that because there is also a lot of mm. guilt marketing in the non-profit right. world in the UN and we don't like to guilt anyone into something. We like to say, okay, you know, we like you like us, let's mm. play together. Right. Pretty much like children do. You know, we should really mm. go back to I this uh, playfulness. Right. Like, let's play together. You have a little bit more, okay, can I have something? Yeah. But more like, you know, because it's like, because we love that everybody find the joy in sharing because mm-hmm. we know that they're going to be happy too. Mm-hmm. So it's also, we're kind of like trying to create a transformation in the way philanthropy is made. Yes. And uh, yes. yeah, maybe feminist, inclusive, uh, moral leadership and philanthropy, maybe if mm. we, you know, if we want to see <laughs> Sahara in the change in 50 years. Yeah. that makes sense. It's I a see lot it. of information, but. I see it. Yes. I, it reminds me, I just started this book, The Trance of Scarcity. 
Mm-hmm. Have you read it? It's mm-hmm. it's good. I mean, in terms of like, I I'm started it with the intention of taking a look at my personal finances and my personal relationships and being like, why, where can I expand? Where do I have room to, to open more and to let more in instead of putting myself in this box of like, this is what I deserve. This is what I'm living within mm-hmm. my means. And you brought up this thing and, and continually to bring up this word of joy, right? And of expansiveness and of, and of there is enough for everyone. We can have enough for everyone. Everything is abundant, right? And I think like that's this mentality I'm still struggling, you know, like facing and, and um, working with is the mentality of scarcity. But this can be totally uh, applied to, um, you know, nonprofit fundraising, to any kind of, even, you know, Series A, if you have a startup, if you're in, you know, an entrepreneur and trying to find funding, like that could be applied to everything. It is there, the resources are there and out there. Um, and I do believe that it's it is there for for you and and um, yeah, <laughs> I feel so much um, excitement for for the organization moving forward. Yeah, yeah. and so especially much. for our partnership too. Yes, <laughs> moving <laughs> forward. Yeah. Um, so I the last part of this that I wanted to um, to uh, go into is the creative um, sort of. A spoken word aspect and Sarah had shared with me a beautiful poem by the by AG and I'm not sure who that it's um, very talented poet um, and this poem it's so representative I think of the organization so I'll just go ahead and read it Kabul is a woman they say loud boisterous, demanding, without any mercy, just like the misses they joke. Kabul is a woman, I say, loud enough for you to hear, bright enough for you to see. She's astute, unafraid, unapologetic, her belly ripped of her children, her potential and dreams lost. Yet, she stands tall. Kabul is a woman, for who else could survive a million deaths and still evoke fear in the hearts of her perpetrators? It's beautiful. It's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being here. Yeah. Anything else you want anyone, like where can they find more information about the organization, um, about uh, getting in contact with you? Um, you want to share that information now? And I can also share it can on you the, share it yeah. yeah. I'll put the, the link to the website on um, the show notes. Um, social media, maybe. Because social media. We, we like to engage a lot with social media. Facebook and, and mm-hmm. Instagram? Yes. Okay, perfect. And there are um, a few very interesting events coming up in San Francisco and New York. And we uh, created actually an event uh, that uh, we called it Tales of Disobedience. And we really like to recreate the event uh, a few mm. different times. Tales of Disobedience, uh, why? Because we want to tell the stories of uh, women who dared uh, to uh, take ownership over their life. And being disobedient is so important today, which means, you know, like find a different path, find a path that works for you. Mm. And sometimes you have to go against your own family, against your own you know work environment mm. but that's worth it at the beginning it's painful but pain is wisdom you mm. know it's a disguise pain comes disguised as wisdom so mm. it's about accepting yes. that 
and it's about but it starts with the act of being brave and disobedient mm. so we want to do this event called tales of disobedience we're uh, either gonna the last one that we did in june uh, at the laundry gallery an amazing beautiful art mm, gallery in the, the mission history yeah, yeah. yes i recommend everyone to go uh, it was really nice uh, more than 100 people came uh, we screened an amazing documentary on the syrian women living in lebanon and uh, playing the theater and how the theater was cathartic for their um, yes. trauma. Yes. So again, and you know, the form of art. Mm. And uh, the other one, you know, we're gonna integrate uh, photography, videography, and uh, painting, and uh, you know, collective healing. Maybe, you know, we can make uh, storytelling and writing yes. classes. That would be amazing. So stay tuned and uh, please, I would love to be in touch. I use a lot Instagram and Facebook as well. Maybe you can all find him and uh, Charity will write the, the details. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs>